Today is part eight of our series in the Old Testament, and the title is Jesus, the Light of the World. I was thinking, how can I fit a Christmas message in with the Old Testament series we're doing? It turns out it's very easy to do. So my my goal for today is to see how Jesus is the light and to receive his light ourselves this Christmas. Um, There are 245 references to light in the Bible. And I thought when I was planning to do this sermon, it wouldn't be too hard. It would be relatively straightforward to do, and I would just pull things together and, and give a message on what it meant for Jesus to be the light of the world. And then I realized there were this, that many references. And what I did is I went through every single reference and all the ones that look relevant, I cut and pasted into a document. And then I spent some time just reading and reading this document and praying and just rearranging the verses into, into different categories and seeing how prophecies in the old linked up with uh, fulfillment in the new and just uh, really bathing in all those scriptures. And I, it was a real blessed time and I just prayed and engaged with God as I was doing it. Now you're going to be relieved to know we're not going to be reading all 245 references today, but we're going to be reading quite a few. And I don't apologize for that because, um, I really want this to be a really, a real comprehensive understanding of what light means in the Bible and how Jesus is the light and that it will speak to you in the way that is spoken to me. And so my outline today, and don't forget we're doing a series on seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. So this is going to have part of the kind of Old Testament, New Testament dynamic in it. So the series is called, sorry, the the message today is called Jesus, the Light of the World. And we're going to look at the long-promised hope. Then we're going to look at new creation, bringing life And then we're going to look at what does it mean for you and me. So first of all, long-promised hope. So I'll tell you a story, and you may know this story, but in the summer of 2018, 12 boys in a soccer team in Thailand were exploring, uh, having a day off exploring to celebrate one of the boys' birthdays. And they ended up exploring some caves And deep inside a cave underneath a mountain when some unusual, extraordinary flooding happened and they became completely cut off, trapped way underground in this cave. And for nine days, they were in complete darkness. They didn't know if anybody even knew where they were. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Just in darkness, just waiting in darkness, and they had water to drink, of course, nothing to eat, waiting in darkness. Now, actually, the whole world knew a lot about it, and it was on news media all over the world, and huge rescue attempts and drilling operations, but they didn't know anything until after nine days, they spotted a glimmer of light in the distance. Can you imagine what that must have felt like to see that light in the darkness after so long? And it soon materialized into a diver who came up and and very soon they brought them food. And it was actually quite a lot longer before they actually got them rescued. But it was this light 
that was the beginning of hope. And I want you to think of this as what it was like before Jesus came. The world was in darkness. And in Isaiah, in chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, we read, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Prophetic of what was going to happen. So my first point then is this long promised hope. And we'll look at the prophecy in a minute, but I just want to see the excitement of how it unfolded in this world. Well, the very first inkling was actually John the Baptist. When John the Baptist was um, conceived, his father um, was given a prophecy. And this is what his father prophesied. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. The sunrise, isn't that exciting? The sunrise would be visiting to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So this was the very first inkling, and he's picking up now on these words from Isaiah and uh, the very first prophecy. Then the second thing we have is baby Jesus himself, and he uh, taken to the temple to be circumcised on the eighth day. And we have Simeon, who's been waiting in the temple, and he's been given a word from God, and he speaks over baby Jesus. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed him and tried bless God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. And how does he describe it? that you've prepared in the presence of all the peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles, for glory to your people, Israel. And so the word light then is spoken over baby Jesus. And then the next reference is not until he starts his ministry. He's tempted in the wilderness and then goes out to start his ministry. And as you know, Jesus did most of his ministry in Galilee, at least much of it. And Galilee was on the northern end, which was actually very ambiguous whether they were really Jews or not. They were, they were, um, a lot of them not ethnically descended from Jacob. Um, and it had been the place where the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali had been originally, and they'd been taken into captivity. And so Jesus going to that region on the edge of the Gentile territory uh, was something that was prophesied. So here we go. After leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. Why is that significant? Because... That which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah may be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So here we have words taken up from Isaiah from the Old Testament about this light that's going to come. Suddenly it's there. And it's like those little boys trapped in the cave. And suddenly there is a light. It's a real light. It's beginning. And Jesus begins to preach, quoting Isaiah chapter 9 here in the first three verses. Well, there are other prophecies from Isaiah uh, quoted in the New Testament. I'm just going to give you one that's quoted a number of times. Thus saith God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the Gentiles. So he's telling Israel that they will be a light to the Gentiles. To open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. So although this was given to Israel, it was actually taken up by the true Israel, Jesus Christ, the one who fulfilled those promise, that promise, a light to the nations. And so as we see these prophecies of this coming light and the darkness that's around, and suddenly there's hope. I just want to ask you, maybe you need some hope in your life right now. Maybe there's darkness in many parts of your life. And um, this is my first point today, that Jesus brings hope. And I really want to get you to imagine those boys in the cave in the darkness. And he is the one who can bring hope. He can bring hope no matter how dark the situation is. Jesus is the light. He's the one who comes and can bring that, that, that hope to us. So he's the long promised hope. And now I want to look at the theme of new creation, which is probably the most powerful theme of light we're going to see this morning. And then we're going to look at what it means for you and for me. So you're all familiar, I'm sure, with Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So I'm quoting that to you because I want you to see how similar the beginning of John's gospel is. Notice the first verse then, in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and of course the Word is Jesus. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And we're going to see this interplay between life and light building through this section. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So this creation imagery of the light shining out into the darkness, bringing life. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. And so this is Jesus, not just 
a light coming, but a light coming to bring a new kind of life, a new creation life, something that is new, that is different. And this, uh, this theme then is picked up in, in other places. Um, so this, this theme is picked up in other places. And uh, one place it's picked up very clearly is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, in other words, Genesis 1, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So this creation right now is invisible. It's in our hearts, but it's real nonetheless. But it's the beginning of a new creation that will permeate everything, that will replace all of creation. But it's just as real right now in your hearts. It's invisible, but it's just as real. And if you're a Christian, what you have in you, created by Jesus Christ, spoken into being by him, will last forever. It's immortal. Death can't destroy it. Nothing can destroy it. It's part of, not part of this world, it's part of another stuff, a stuff that will last forever. And you have that inside you, spoken by the light of Jesus. Now, here's an amazing set of quotes, a pair, an Old Testament one and a New Testament one. I just love these ones. This is, first of all, Isaiah 60. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. So, in other words, replacing the sun and moon with the Lord. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of mourning shall be ended. So, what's this speaking about? It's speaking about the age to come. When we don't need lights like the sun and moon, because he is our light. And uh, this is prophetic. And this beautifully, this Isaiah 60 passage beautifully matches the one at the, right at the end of Revelation. The city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light, Will the nations walk? So he is your life. Being born again is the same as receiving the light. It's that creation. The light shines in the darkness and creates life. And if you're born again, you're born from above. You're born by the light shining into you and creating a piece of the new creation. Um, so how does this help us? to live our lives. How is this a help to understand these cool connections between the old and the new? What actual practical difference does it make to us? Well, we've looked at the long promised hope. We looked at this hope coming in the darkness after so long. We've looked at new creation and how we have these amazing connections between old and new. And now I want to really focus on what this means for you and for me. So how does light give life? Well, in some ways, it's like a plant. 
if a plant is in in the light in sunlight it receives life from the sun it's energy coming into it and this is another way of thinking about feeding from jesus we absorb his light jesus gave the image of him being our food and that's an image of taking a life and we're also he is our light and like we're plants that he's shining on and we're just we're just sucking this energy in and it's giving us life and we're going to look at some verses now and i uh, these are really a real blessing to me and i think they're very practical um so john eight twelve and 9 5 they're very similar again jesus spoke to them saying i am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life and then um the other verse nine five as long as i am in the world i am the light of the world and in john lots of references to jesus being the light right from the first ones we read at the beginning and right the way through um so how do we take this light in how does what does it mean practically to receive it he's talking it here about him being the light and if you follow him you will have the light of life what does this mean um, in some ways, it's basking in his rays, and I'm going to call it spiritual sunbathing. Spiritual sunbathing. Uh, put it, it simply, it's that. It's just spending time in his presence. Spending time in Jesus' presence is sunbathing. In this pandemic, we're all told we need to have more vitamin D and you can take supplements or you can get it by sunbathing if you're careful how you do it. It's the way that, um, the the way that god designed that we should get vitamin d it's essential for our life and so this sunbathing spiritually is like taking this life in uh from jesus and um what i'm going to suggest you know whether you read or you pray or you sing all of these things are good ways of sunbathing in jesus Spending time in his presence, whether it's reading his words, whether it's praying to him, seeing to him, spending time is receiving this energy from him that creates new life within us and refreshes us. Um, also, watching him and copying him is, is part of how we do this. And Jesus says in verse 12 there, whoever follows me, will not walk in darkness. In other words, by following him, he meant actually do what he did, do what he told him to do. Um, my my oldest grandson, Nathan, when he was about two and we were staying with them, um, he noticed me doing my daily exercise. I have something called the seven-minute scientific exercise, which you can do in seven minutes, and I do it every day. And it's a set of exercises, and he saw me do it and started trying to copy me and at two years old he was having trouble doing it but he loved it and every time i did it he wanted to join in and he still does we could do it sometimes over zoom and he just loves to copy he loves to do that and children will often copy their parents and they see them doing something and they say oh can i do that mommy can i do that daddy and they want to copy it and it's like this is how we receive Jesus, by watching what he did and copying it and taking that in. And that's how we receive the light, by doing what he does. And I'm going to return to this at the end. But I also want to notice in these words 
Jesus said that many people turned from the light. Um, and actually not these particular words, but some other words in John, in John 3 and John 1 and other places. He, he, many people turned away from the light because they felt exposed by it. The light exposes us. And if you're not following Jesus, you've got two options. You can trust him that even though his light will expose your flaws, he will not shame you, but heal you. And you can trust him that it's safe to bring all your flaws to his light and he will heal you. Or you can hide in the darkness. Those are the two options that we have if we're not following Jesus. And um, the the hope is, the goal is, my heart's desire is that everyone who's listening to this will see that Jesus is the hope. He is the light. He is the only one who ultimately can bring us eternal life. So there's, some very, there's a very interesting couple of verses in Ephesians that add something to this picture. And these are really helpful in understanding how we're going to benefit from this message this morning. So, um, sorry, I wanted to read one from John 12, first of all. Sorry. Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. So um, that was the verse about you know, the choice between walking with Jesus or not walking with him and moving away from the light. So here's the Ephesians verse. Um, Ephesians 5, verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. A walk as children of light. Now, this is very interesting because it says you are light. You are light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. What this is saying is that if you're born of Jesus, you actually have his light living in you. You are light. Just as he is light, you're his child and you are light. Wow, this is amazing. This is transformative. And this is going to form the basis of the last few things that I want to say today. So uh, you have the light in you and you can bring hope to others. Wow. So this is the idea that I want to end with. And let's look at uh, 1 John chapter 2. And uh, these are, this is my last verses I'm going to show you today. It is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. This is amazing because what this is saying is actually if we have the light in us, the true light in us, it will actually shine and it will actually 
be manifested. And also that if we exercise this light that's in us, it's actually going to, to, to strengthen our connection with Jesus. It's actually going to build up this light that's in us. And um, so we'll be abiding in the light if we actually put this into practice. And I'm going to try and sum this all up now. And this is my last slide. I'm going to try and sum everything up that I've said. This is my Christmas message. Jesus came as the light of the world, the long promised hope. And I just want to really to you grasp hold of that concept of hope in the darkness. Those 12 boys waiting for nine days in pitch darkness. Then they see a light. Jesus is the hope. He is the one who ultimately, he's who used the expression, the light at the end of the tunnel. That's what he is for us. So I just want to, if you, if you need hope right now, I want you to see Jesus as your hope. But then I want to say, he has put his light in you if you are a believer. So just as Jesus came as light of the world, he has actually put his life, his light in you. So this means that you can be a light to those around you. And so my Christmas message summed up is be a light to others this Christmas. Show love, the love of Christ to others this Christmas. Let that light that's in you shine forth to others and they will see Jesus in you. That's my message for you. And I just want to end by saying, not only will you bless them if you do that, but the blessing will come back on you and you will grow in the light. Jesus said that those who walked in the light would be receiving light. And so by walking in the steps of Jesus, showing love to others, you're actually following him and receiving his light sunbathing and growing in the light. So by being a light to others, you're doing two things. On the one hand, you're blessing people by showing them the love of God that you've received and you're reflecting out to them. And also you are becoming more like Jesus. And in doing so, the light in you is growing. You are growing. Your life is growing as you do that. Let's pray, shall we? Thank you, God, that you didn't leave us in darkness. You didn't leave us hopeless. Thank you that Jesus is our hope. And if there are any here this morning who need hope in their lives right now, I pray that you would give them Jesus and his hope and they would catch sight of what a hope they have in him. Whether they're a Christian or not, Lord, may their hope be renewed in Jesus. And Lord, we pray for all of us that we will be a light to others this Christmas. We pray, Lord, all of us will shine forth the love of Jesus to those around us. We ask it in his name. Amen.